Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Kevin Eikenberry about leadership, teamwork, and the remote hybrid organization. Kevin Eikenberry, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have a nice conversation with you today. We're going to be focusing on the roles of leadership and working effectively within a team, all within a remote or hybrid organization. And we've all been living in this world where because of the pandemic, you know, people had to adopt new technologies and kind of pivot on a dime in order to to continue to function and to stay open. So many people have been working remotely for the past 14 months or so. Uh, many people have returned back to face-to-face work, but many organizations are uh, toying with and, and trying to look into more hybrid arrangements and how to deal effectively with a distributed workforce that is working remotely or at least partly, and then others who are in their the physical office space. All of that, um, provides opportunity, but it also provides, you know, and creates challenges for teams working effectively together and for leaders who are managing in that kind of a context. So these are the things that we'll be exploring together today. As we get started, I wanted to share Kevin's bio with everybody. Kevin Eikenberry is a world-renowned leadership expert, a two-time best-selling author, speaker, consultant, trainer, coach, leader, learner, husband, and father, not necessarily in that order. Kevin is the chief potential officer, uh, the Kevin Eikenberry Group, a leadership and learning consulting company that has been helping organizations, teams, and individuals reach their potential since 1993. Kevin's specialties include leadership teams and teamwork, organizational culture, facilitating change, organizational learning, and more. Kevin's new book, The Long Distance Teammate, was released in January of 2021, and his book, The Long Distance Leader, was released in 2018. Kevin has a hybrid team and can help you determine what a hybrid team looks like for them and how to lead. Uh, Kevin, a tremendous background. I'm super excited to talk with you about this topic. Before we dive on in, any um, anything else you would like to share by way of background or personal context? Yeah, two things. First, uh, thank you again for having me. Second, those last two books that you mentioned, The Long Distance Teammate and The Long Distance Leader, co-authored by Wayne Turmel. So I want to make sure we got that in there. And oh, thank I'm you. excited to be here. And uh, like you said, we've been helping folks do this work for a long time, and I've been leading a hybrid team for a decade. So let's go, man. I'm ready. Yeah, well, and that's let's start there because that's a really good point. Now, certainly there's been more attention to uh, distributed workforce, uh, remote workers, virtual workers, and hybrid teams. There's been more focus on that this past year due to the pandemic. But it's not new, is it? Like there, there have been organizations that have worked with fully remote and distributed teams for a really long time. 
Uh, there have been hybrid work arrangements for a really long time. For example, I've worked in a hybrid environment for the last decade and a half. I've had remote teams as well. Um, and so that wasn't necessarily new to me either. It just kind of ramped up a little bit more than what I had been doing in the past in terms of the virtual work component. Um, but it's not new. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about how even a decade ago you started to move into that space? Well, I, so first of all, you know, our company is, um, you know, we're not, we're not massively large, as many of you who are listening would be a part of, but there are currently 13 of us. And, and we are spread out from coast, almost to coast, you can't quite call Las Vegas, the coast, uh, but from coast to coast, and one team member who lives in their RV. And, you know, I think today she's in Alabama, or Mississippi, I think. Uh, but the point is, uh, that we have been doing it for a long time. And we, we moved in that direction because we wanted the best talent. We wanted the folks that we wanted and we didn't really care where they lived. And we would, we decided we'd figure it out. And, uh, then six, seven years ago or so, we, I co-founded the remote leadership Institute with Wayne Tremel, who owned a company at the time called great web meetings. And then I purchased his company and we folded all the work that he'd been doing around remote communications into all the leadership work we've been doing. So we knew this was a trend. It already was a trend. It was the, num the number one perk that people wanted pre-pandemic was to be able to work from home part of the time. To all of you HR folks out there, that is no longer a perk. That is now considered... Uh, an essential. And if you're not going to do at least sometimes, once in a while, uh, you're going you're gonna to have a huge talent uh, problem, I think, moving forward. And so we did it for a, from, a from a talent perspective and from a work-life balance perspective. And uh, it's worked for us. And we've been helping people for a long time do it. Yeah, excellent. And I think you've highlighted many of the benefits of a distributed workforce and and leveraging a remote team, uh, I've I've noticed the same things. It, it, it's really great when you're not restricted by geography in terms of your hiring. When you literally can hire the best person anywhere from the country or throughout the world, um, the only constraint really being the time difference and just trying to coordinate when you have to have team meetings virtually or whatever. Uh, otherwise, they literally can be anywhere. And I love that you have a team member who lives in an RV that travels around. That's actually a dream I have. Someday I want to just be a nomad and just travel all over the place and work remotely completely. Um, but I have six kids and they're all in school. So that's not going to happen today, but maybe well, a very large RV. Jonathan. So, <laughs> so I can connect you with Angie at any time and you can have that conversation, but here's how that what worked. She came to me. Uh, she and her husband had bought a, an RV a year or so before that and started using it and doing this and that. And then she told me they were going to buy a different one. And I thought, great. Awesome for you. And, and then she came to me and said um, in like September and said in September of 19, and said, uh, Mike and I, Mike's going to quit his job and we're going to go on the road working from the RV. I've already thought of these questions, time zone, um, broadband, blah, blah, blah. I'm assuming that's going to be okay, right? I mean, so she, she didn't even really, I mean, she really begged forgiveness more than asked for permission. But on the other hand, if you know, you wrote a book called The Long Distance Leader, pretty hard to say no. Uh, and and it's, worked, it's worked out just great. And it's given me a great story to tell. Uh, but yeah, I want to go yeah, back to something else you said earlier. Uh, being able to cast the wider talent net is great. It's also a bit daunting. So there's pluses and minuses when yeah, we're sure. in acquisition mode. 
right? But but I'll say this to organizations uh, out there, and that is that here's the other big thing about this. You've got lots of folks who you've lost in the past because their spouse took a job in another state. You don't have to lose them now, right? Your folks, it's not just, it's not just who we can get up front, although you're exactly right, Jonathan. It's also who we can keep because where they choose to live won't, shouldn't matter uh, very that's much. That's a really good point. Or at all. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. And, you know, so much of, of the flow of life, you know, there's just different life stages. And when, when you're a, a person, maybe you're hired out of college, you're, you're learning, you're growing within the organization. If you're a value to that organization, chances are um, you're only going to stick around in that job for a couple years. And especially millennials, Gen Z workers, they, they are um, known for jumping organizations. Uh, there, there's multiple reasons for that. But a big reason for that is simply because they don't want to be tied down. They don't want to be locked into one place. And so, you know, they do want career mobility. They want the, the ability and the opportunities to move up in advance. And that sometimes necessitates moving organizations. But there's just also the ebbs and flows of work life and life stage. And, you know, are you settling down because you got kids who are in school? Or are you, um, you know, are you single and carefree and just wanting to go explore the world? Like all these things, they don't need to be a constraint on your ability to hire and retain really great people. If there are value to your organization, then by all means, give them some flexibility and keep them. And they'll even be more grateful to you for, for that flexibility. It becomes a huge, huge benefit. Uh, people are, there's been lots of studies on this. People are willing, um, not that we should try to get away with paying people as little as possible, but people are willing to take quite a bit less pay when they have more autonomy, more flexibility, and when they have the, the opportunity to work remotely, at least to some extent. Two points there. One is, uh, for those of you that are <clears throat> closer to my age than Jonathan's age, and you're saying, oh, well, but that millenn those millennials and Gen Z or whatever, by 2025, 64% of the workforce. So it's, it's fast becoming the majority uh, and not something that maybe you can sort of say yes, but about. That's the first thing. And the second thing is that, um, you know, if we're, if we're willing to think about that flexibility. Um, we, it doesn't just have to be about geography because you may have had a team that in the past was, you know, when we, when we had to send everybody home because your governor said you needed to, right? Um, everyone was in the same zip code, let's just say. Um, but in the future, they might be in a different area code. But the, here's the other thing. The other thing that people want in flexibility is not just location, they may want time flexibility. So we're going to need to continue to think more about 410 work schedules and people work taking off three hours in the middle of the day or wanting to start earlier or wanting to end later. All of those things, I think, for us to be uh, the most effective as organizations and as HR professionals is that we need to think about the flexibility, not just of location and geography, but of time of day. And so you might have had everybody you know, around Metro Indianapolis, if you were me, um, 
but you might still have people as if you were in two or three different time zones based on that flexibility. So don't just think about, oh, they want to work from home. Oh, they want to be able to move, but also the flexibility and the autonomy to pick the times of day. If they're not, if their job isn't, you know, answering the phone, if their job isn't right. on a chat line, if their job isn't managing the social media or from around the world, then quite honestly, time of day ought to be on the table. We ought to at least be looking at it. I don't know, Jonathan, I don't know what your specific work scenario is, but I'd say we need to look at that carefully about the options that, that we can provide to people there too as well. Yeah, yeah, you make several really good points there. And it actually addresses one of the common concerns about a distributed workforce in a virtual team, and that is these time zone differences. Um, the reality is, if, if we can talk to our people, have open dialogue about when and where they want to work. Um, now, of course, if you're customer facing, there's, there's going to be some constraints. But if you're not in a customer facing kind of a role, um, then the time constraints really are around periodically, we do need to have team meetings, we do have to have check-ins, we do have to have collab, collaboration sessions and, and those sorts of things. And so you, there has to be coordination. But yeah, I mean, if, if someone is willing, if they want that three hour break in the middle of the day, and they're willing to start working at five in the morning, or working later into the night, all of a sudden, those time difference changes start to, to erode, right? Um, because now you have people who are more flexible at different times of the day to, to do their work. And if the organization leadership isn't expecting someone to jump on a 5am call and then work through 8pm at night, then it can work out. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, Ordinary Everyday Actions That Produce Extraordinary Results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. First of all, there is the systemic nature of the fact that people are in different time zones or are now working a different schedule, right? So we're going to have to figure out or you're going to have to figure out how you're going to manage the uh, the meetings, right? The the synchronous components of that. And my my biggest piece of advice there would be to share share the load, right? Share. Don't always pick the same time of day. Sometimes pick. So I have meetings sometime with sometimes with Wayne, my co-author, 
and uh, co-founder of the Remote Leadership Institute, who is in Las Vegas now, was in Chicago when we started working together. But sometimes we'll have meetings early in the morning for him. Sometimes we'll have meetings in the evening for me. Uh, and and so it's just about sort of sharing the uh, the sharing the opportunities to work at slightly different times as needed. Or, hey, if we're going to have a team meeting once a week or once every other week, then maybe everyone needs to coalesce around a certain time for that. But the other thing that I think that leaders need to get their heads wrapped around, around the distributed times, is that too many leaders are still focusing on activity and not on accomplishment. Absolutely. Not about what what are what's someone doing right now. The question is, are they getting their work done? Our our world is too much focused on activity, busy, the myth of multitasking, and all of that stuff. When the reality is, is the work getting done? And if it's not, then we have a performance or a expectation conversation. And if you're not having those, shame on you all. Uh, but it's not about it's not about busy. It's not about activity. It's about accomplishment. And if we get that clear for us and with our folks, we'll help them be more successful. And we'll start to help to deal with the challenges of work-life balance that are really, really blurry right now. Yeah. Well, amen to that. I mean, that, that is one of, kids. That, so I, that I don't is even one, know how to, how to talk to you about that, buddy. Yeah. I mean, it, it is one of my pet peeves. Um, and, and there is perhaps sometimes a bit of a generational difference in kind of the attitudes around, you know, time of day, traditional kind of an eight to five, eight to six, kind of a, a work day, um, butts and seats, FaceTime in the office, like all those kinds of, of discussions. And, and there's some merit to some of that. But on the other hand, like, I'm, you know, I know when I'm most productive, I know when I, I have to juggle a lot of different things. And, you know, ultimately, what matters is that I produce that I create the results that I'm expected to produce, right? And if I'm doing that or surpassing those expectations, then who cares? Who cares how much time I'm spending on particular tasks? Who cares when I perform those tasks? Um, as long as I'm working well with other team members, I'm producing. And I, I think that is a mindset shift for a lot of people. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a university professor and I do the consulting work, but at the university, I, I find that there's really kind of an old school mentality that uh, even though professors tend to have a lot of flexibility, there's this idea that you need to have appropriate amounts of face time. Like you need to be in the office. You need not just office hours, but like if someone's just randomly walking down the hall and they don't see you sitting in your office, then there's something wrong and you're clearly not doing your job. That's a silly notion, but that's a notion that, um, that, continues. And I'm hoping that this kind of a, a, a I, I hope the pandemic and the, the push towards more virtual and remote work has, has caused a bit of a reset on that, challenging the assumptions that people have had around those sorts of um, ideas about butts and seats, FaceTime, and, and those sorts of things. So amen to what you just said. So that's why I want to put one asterisk on what you just said. And yes, really to all of that. And I, I also hope that this will cure some folks of the uh, butts and seats, you know, are you at work? What are you doing right now thing? Worrying about whether they're eating bonbons or checking their, you know, doing their laundry or whatever. I hope that this will solve some of that. I'm, and I am generally an extraordinarily positive 
person. Uh, but I work with lots of leaders and I think there's some that just can't wait to get back. And so I do think we will have shifted that, but we haven't, we haven't obliterated it. That's no, the first thing no. I'll say. And the second thing I'll say is this, I agree with everything that you were saying, but as long as I'm getting my work done, as long as I'm doing all that, there's a point though, that we got to make sure we're clear on. And I know that you, I'm sure you will agree with me, but taken to the nth degree, what you said is a potential problem. And here's the thing. Um, sort of two parts. The first part is if you ask people, and I've done this in the last several months, a lot, ask people, so what do you do for a living? And I, and I occasionally get, well, I work from home. In 2019 or 2018, when I asked people what they did for a living, I don't ever remember hearing I worked in an office. Here, here's the thing. There's a different mindset between I work at home and I'm a member of a remote team or yeah, I'm a remote yeah. teammate or I'm a hybrid teammate. I'm on a hybrid team. And so there's a mindset difference. And here's where that leads us. It leads us to people thinking that my job equals my work, which it rarely does. Your job equals your work plus teamwork the team's work, the interaction with others. So while Jonathan, I agree with you 100%, as long as there's clear expectations between you and your boss about not just the what of the work, but the how of the work, like who needs to be involved and is your work more than just your task list, but also interacting with others and right. all of that other stuff, you're nodding your head, you agree with me, but taken to the nth degree, what you said alone could lead to this very insular, individual silo focus that we've also got to be very aware of in this. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a great point. Thank you for adding that context. Um, Cause I do agree with you. Uh, we don't want siloed uh, approaches. We want integration. We want people working together in teams. Um, there are aspects of our jobs that we do independently, but there are lots, I mean, most jobs have aspects where you have to be able to uh, work cooperatively and collaboratively with other people. And absolutely, the to your point, the a danger if you take what I had first said to the nth degree is that you now have a distributed team that's essentially not a team. It's just a bunch of independent contractors <laughs> that are all working for the organization. And I suppose in certain scenarios, maybe that works out fine. But most of the time, when we're talking about distributed teams, we're talking about actual teams, actual groups of people that come together to produce products and services to add value to the market, not individual contractors, right? Well, yeah. So like there's two kinds of teams and we all like to think about the one kind, the interdependent team, right? Which is the basketball team, the soccer team, the hockey team, where everyone, except for maybe a goalie, everyone has to be able to do all the stuff. Some people are better at some things, but there's, there's a whole lot more interdependence. The other sort of independent contractor mode is like, you know, a wrestling team. We're all in the same thing, but we're all literally doing our own very specific thing. Wrestling team, uh, track and field team, right? And that's not what most of us want or need. And, and we've, we've, we've moved there unknowingly in many cases in, in the last year plus in the pandemic as people, because the psychology of looking at the same four walls every day and not leaving those, and oh, by the way, they're just down the hall from where you sleep, right? Um, or, or maybe in the same room is where you sleep. But when you're looking at those same four walls, then the work very quickly becomes what I have to do today and not I'm a part of something bigger, doing something more meaningful than just my list. 
Yeah. Yeah. Great clarification. Um, so I think, you know, as we approach the end of our time together today, uh, perhaps uh, do you have some tips for listeners who are leading, you know, and trying to deal with the complexity of remote or hybrid teams? Uh, some, a few tips on what they can be doing to, to manage that kind of a team a little bit more effectively. Yeah, the first thing I would say is don't forget everything you already knew about leadership, like from from the la- a year you know before a year ago. So we, we said in the long distance leader that think leadership first, location second. So in other words, don't forget what you already knew. But the what the location part, the nuances. Let me give you two or three things real quickly. The first one is everything must be more intentional. If you're going to move into a hybrid world or have already moved there, and and that can look very different depending on what your s- scenario is. Um, are you interacting with the same people, but others are seldom there? You may actually have more trouble than you had when everyone was remote. So we have to be more intentional about when we communicate, how we communicate, what tools we use to communicate, building trust and relationships, and we could go on and on. Everything must be more intentional. Second thing I would say is that we have to stay connected with our folks, not just on their work, but on their thoughts and feelings. Do you know how your folks are really doing? Are you ever talking about more than just the work and the weather? If you're, if you're just transacting business and not having interactions, um, if it hasn't already caused you problems somewhere that you're not connecting to this, it will. So um, be more intentional, be more empathetic and interactive. We'll hook those two things together. And then the last thing I would say is that whether they can see you or not, you're still a role model. So if you want, you know, Gandhi told us, be the change you want to see in the world. And so they're watching you, even if it's on Zoom, they're watching you, even if it's in the Teams channel or the Slack channel. And so know that everything you do matters in terms of moving people in the direction that you want them to be moving to create the results that you want to create. Perfect. Perfect, Kevin. And I agree with all those points. Uh, I, I think too often we we talk about this being this new situation, when in reality, uh, much of leadership, you know, those lessons that we've learned throughout our careers, they're the same. It's just a slightly different context. And that's that applies anytime we move organizations or industries or sectors, right? There's always new context. And so let's not forget what we already know. Um, let's listen to our people, let's communicate effectively, let's be deliberate in how we uh, communicate with them. And if we do those things, uh, I I think we'll be able to learn within the new context what's going to work for our people. Well, Kevin, it has been a real pleasure talking with you today. Uh, Before we close, I did want to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your business as well as your books, and then give us a final word on the topic. So I'll give people three places they can go. First of all, thanks for talking about the, the new book, The Long Distance Teammate. You can learn more by going to longdistanceteammate.com and even get a sample chapter there. Uh, you can always reach out to me on LinkedIn and follow me there. I'm a LinkedIn instructor and, and pretty active there. So if there's anything I can do to help, just reach out there and say, hey, I heard you with Jonathan and I'd love to ask a question or be connected with you. I'd love to have you do that. And lastly, we're just about ready to release a brand new website called thefutureofwork.biz, which is going to be all about resources to help us all in this next few months, in this, what I'm calling a moment that matters far more than most realize about how it's going to change our businesses, change our teams, 
and all of that. So I'll leave you with this final word, uh, along with thanks. I'll leave you with take some action on what you heard today, whether it's something Jonathan said or I said, if you don't take some action, you're not going to get more effective. You're not going to be more confident. You're not going to be more comfortable and neither will your team. Perfect. Thank you, Kevin. It has been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Kevin and his team can do for you. Check out his books. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.